0: Welcome and thank you, one and all, for once again tuning into another episode of Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala. I am Matt Sanzala, and man, today I have a very special guest. I've been trying to get in here for a while, man. We finally got our schedules to uh, vibe right, and uh, I got my brother Deuce in the house. What's up, man?
1: What's up, man? How's it going? Thank you for having me. Much appreciated.
0: Man, I appreciate you coming down here. As you know, like Talk So Real is just the podcast where I sit and talk with my friends about things and what's been going down, and- Especially here in Austin, some of my friends who I know have done a lot of cool things over the years and, you know, maybe never got out there really talking about it to some people, man. And I'm excited to talk to you about your journey a little bit.
1: Yeah, man. I'm, I'm down to talk about it. I don't talk too much. So right. I'm excited.
0: Well, we first met, I believe, and I'm pretty sure it was back when you were on the radio at Hot 93.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. It was, um, I remember Tosin told me I should connect with you. Okay, and um I think I first met you at a back room show I want to say it was Bumby
0: or probably. <laughs> probably probably that yeah time.
1: but definitely yeah it was on the radio for sure
0: tosin who won't do the podcast he's not ready to tell his story yet <laughs> tocene the mystery man
1: I've been trying to give him to do the same thing
0: man the screwshop.com I am still on the screwshop.com message board by the way
1: yeah it's still up
0: yes there's about 10 of us okay. I haven't been on there in years. I'm, I'm sure I got a profiles deal. Sometimes we argue about politics. Even there's actually screwed up Trumpers. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. That's a whole topic in <laughs> itself. <laughs> like I don't even know how that's possible <laughs> to be a thing. Oh man, it's really a thing. It's crazy. Like I'm old man. I've been. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna tell you this. A lot of the white guys who were running. Not only, not just that, but some. I know some people. I'm talking very personally about a couple people, and I also have some white friends who have gone this way, who were always real cool, they're fine, but they were way into it, way into the music, into the ghetto boys and revolutionary rap and things like this, public enemy, and they went Trump, and they exist, and it's a thing.
1: I don't even know how, that's like someone jamming X-Clan and going to like a Trump rally or something.
0: Man, it exists. (laughs) It exists, dude. Uh, And it's a real trip, but um, that's another topic. But I, I, I will say, though, I think, there's a couple of different kinds of Trumpers out there. and Some are extremely racist idiots, so whatever. But a lot of the people who got into Trump actually want what I want, which is someone who's different and is a change. But that's not Trump. He's not that. He's just who they let you think it is. Yeah. So it is what it is, man. And so they're like, he's not a politician. I'm like, well, he was at – He's in the third row at Chelsea Clinton's wedding, and the Clintons were at his third wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh He's in. He's yeah. been in our face for so many years, you know, so – yeah, it's really strange, but it's funny because I always think about, like, Tocene just... He he stays out of it. He never gets into those, like, little discussions. Yeah. But I can see him just shaking his head like, man, I think I pay for this. I'm serving this website, <laughs> this message web board here for these idiots well, yeah. of a certain age. I'm sure, I'm
1: sure he's figured out a way to monetize in some way.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, he's always sold the DVDs and done cool merch and stuff. I mean, the Screwshop.com is a very vital information source
1: I mean, it was the first social media, really, if you think about it. like I want to go back to it. Yeah, people would jump on Screw Shop to figure out what was really going on in Texas. In general, really? our rumor started, you go like, let me see if it's on Screw shop.com.
0: Exactly, oh, exactly, Chameleonair.com. Oh, man. These were just like, you yeah. know, just communities of people talking. And I love that because you kind of knew, even if you never saw the person's face, like you kind of knew these people. If it was a few hundred people who were communicating on this board. Now, you say something on Twitter and somebody somewhere just comes at you, you're just like, uh who is this and i'm a little nervous now yeah (laughs) this crazy person just like freaked out because i said something and yeah
1: man people gotta like relax one thing i know is everybody's uptight everything is super pc nobody can truly say what they feel and have their own opinion it's like just be yourself yeah, Everybody talks about time. being authentically you, but nobody will let people be authentically themselves. So it's like truly let it happen.
0: I mean, but we weren't, we didn't have that mouthpiece until recently. Like we didn't have a thing where anybody in the world could just hear what you're saying or read what you're saying. It's like yeah. now it's a fairly relatively new thing. And I, I took two years off from the internet basically during COVID and I stepped back, I had family stuff to deal with and it was a great time to not be on Instagram and Twitter and I'm still not back on Facebook. But uh <clears throat> it was nice, you know. Now I'm doing this, I know we got ha- we have to use it. We have to figure out ways to use it positively and stuff, but Yeah. I don't care. <clears throat> I don't care what happens. I have no comment. <laughs> yeah. How, how did you feel like when
1: when you stopped that first day? Like what was it like when you like put down social media?
0: Man, I don't know. There, to me honestly, there's so much heavy stuff going on in my family plus It was right around George Floyd. Mm. It was it was the heart, the height of the COVID hype, and just people freaking out on both sides about everything and just nonstop Trump, COVID, you know, George Floyd tragedies. It was like It was overload. It was yeah, it was kind of a relief. And it was like, you know what, man? Like I've talked about this on the podcast a bit. Like I had a moment where I couldn't handle thinking the thought that, you know, everybody was streaming from their living room and like musicians and DJs and stuff, which I enjoy. I like Twitch now. I like to watch some of the guys. I, I sometimes will have it on like it's the radio. But when I had a moment thinking like, is this what it's about to be? Mm-hmm. Like I had to really turn it off. It scared the shit out of me. Yeah, Is live music not coming back? It did, thankfully. Like in 2020, we didn't know what was about to happen. Yeah. I had no idea. So I was like, man, let me focus on my mom, my kids, my life. <laughs> like, this is it, man. Like,
1: yeah. I mean, I was waiting for the aliens to come back. I, I still am. Like,
0: <laughs> I mean, that'd be great. I'm with that. Yeah, because
1: everything, like, it was like somebody made a joke. They were like, yeah, the civil rights movement came back. We had a pandemic came back. And we got, like, everything was happening. Everything mm-hmm. was just like, history totally repeating itself. I'm like, well, what else could go weird? Like, well, aliens could come. So that's the one thing that we haven't woke up to yet. So
0: yeah.
1: but uh yeah.
0: <laughs> and it was Trump time where it was just like a non stop every second of the day. It was just in your face. Like, I yeah. don't care I honestly don't give a shit how anybody feels about politics anymore. It is what it is. Whatever yeah. you think. I just didn't want to hear it, man. It was driving me nuts. So one thing I did notice was how far off the face of the earth I had dropped. To so many people, I think, mm-hmm. like it didn't, you know, I didn't hear from, like I, I'm always, not everybody, but the people I know pretty well, you know, if I, if you disappear, I'm gonna call. I mean, like, what happened? Where are you? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But a lot, I think, a lot of people really do exist in that social media world. A lot of people exist listening to these podcasts.
1: Mm-hmm. It's their thing. It's their reality. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's tough to separate the two, especially when you get so ingrained into it. Like I try to mentally, like every day, like all right, time to shut the phone off. Mm-hmm. And just like do something for myself, whatever, even if it's just sitting and being still, yep, just that. <laughs> like it exactly. can't
0: all be about the
1: phone and connect to the phone and like talk hey. to somebody, spend time actually with somebody. You
0: know, yeah, I do that too. I try to do that, but I, I fully admit to having a problem. Yeah, I have a problem. Like Instagram is like sixty percent advertising now. Yeah, at least it's not even just posts, and sometimes you see the same thing three times. It's like. There's almost really no reason whatsoever to look at Instagram ever. Yeah, it really isn't. Because I do, I still do. Yeah, because <laughs> like, looking like it's an addiction. It's it's calling me. Yeah,
1: because even now it's suggesting people who aren't your friends. Mm-hmm. Saying like, because you like something or because you follow so and so, maybe you like this. I'm like, no, I want to see my friends. <laughs> no, <laughs> Can I you wish, just make yeah. my
0: friends, please? Twitter and Instagram both. Since I've come back after being off for two years, that's the biggest difference. It's like they really put. I'm not following this person. Mm-hmm. I have no idea who that is. Why is this on here? Yeah. I don't care. That's why I'm so to bring it full circle. I'm considering starting a message board. Okay. I don't know if anybody will care. What if 50 people care? Cool. Great. We yeah. have a little spot to share music and talk and ideas and it's not open to just everyone. It's people who are into this music, into this culture, yeah, that sort of thing.
1: It's kind of like what discord is now.
0: That's what I've heard, and I've kind of looked, and I'm slow with some of these things.
1: You might check it out. Like, Discord, you can invite whoever to join the group, and that's it really is that. It's like basically a message board again. Okay. It's just Discord.
0: All right, I need to do that, because there's a lot of things. A friend of mine has been sending me TikToks, but it's of people talking about records and stuff and about music, and she was like, on TikTok, the algorithm recognizes what you're looking for, so Mm. she's like, I don't have a bunch of people just dancing around to... Wap or whatever. I have people talking about old records that I'm interested in, like vinyl junkies and stuff. And I'm like, okay, but the times I've looked at TikTok, it's kittens and people dancing.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the beautiful things the pandemic did do was that. Excuse me, it gave us everybody like the ability to like find their space and like you were saying, streaming from the living room, but also carve out a niche. So it seems like older hip hop heads like yourself, me, and whatnot that. Like, hey, we got a different demographic. It isn't just a 21-year-old listening to the future all day long. It's like, hey, right. it's people to listen to the older hip-hop or whatever newer, older artists come out. Or we like talking about vinyl. We like talking about how um, old videos were, right? There's a space for all that now. Mm-hmm. I forgot who said it, but, you know, hip-hop just had its birthday. And so they're like, hip-hop is now finally at the point to where an older audience can actually support those older artists. So now Jay-Z doesn't have to retire and we never see him like, how kind of Rock him and those people like they went away. Like we don't really see our older hip hop artists out there, right? But right. now they can keep touring, they keep doing shows. There is an avenue for that where people will support it. Versus before, like oh, if you got the thirty five, you needed to quit rap and stop, and labels weren't supporting you. There was no uh, system for the older artists. They just went off to pasture. But now you got the YouTubes the TikToks. You got Twitch where mm-hmm. people are doing that that are forty plus, or whatever. It's still viable income.
0: I mean, I'm blessed to have been able to tour with Devin the Dude overseas and stuff. And you go overseas, you see a lot of the old school artists like doing festivals and and kind of thriving, you know, doing pretty well. Some have moved over there. Mm-hmm. But uh, one thing I would like to say to you is, or ask you, have you heard the last two Keras One albums?
1: No, I'm not gonna lie.
0: I can't remember the. the I've listened to them both; they're amazing. But it, the one in 2020 came out it was called Between the Protests. Mm. When I tell you it goes it's okay it's not like when you first heard boogie down productions the first time but that was that was huge, huge. but it was it, they both go hard hard really okay the beats go hard it's amazing i'm gonna check it out i so look at if you start with between the protests that came out at the end of 2020 and then the next one it had a weird name Ugh, and I, i'm really bad at that but uh oh cares one is killing it still yeah like for real like not just some nostalgia like brand new songs going in Current, talking current, you know topics the way we want from him.
1: Yeah, it's like there, there is an avenue for all that. Mm-hmm. Like even like a Griselda, right? If you listen to Griselda, hell yeah. But yeah, it's like I want that. It's not for thirty and under. <laughs> it's for like that thirty-five and up. And it's like, all right, cool. I want more artists to come out that come out like that, so I can gravitate to it. And now that there is a lane, I think we'll see more and more people who are like 35, 40, whatever it is, knowing like, oh, I can come out and there's still people for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. There's
0: there's kids who buy Griselda. There's kids who buy those records, those t shirts, those limited drops, and all this shit. Like, there's people who want it still. It exists. It's like, but it's a problem. And we're going to talk about radio and everything too. But the industry's had such a grip. Like, it's become more, and this is not new, but the industry's. It's like you're not even watching, listening to the music. You're watching the industry mm-hmm. or what they give you, and what we've been told that. I mean, I I remember in the early '90s, a uh, uh, some you know, Gangstar was going on tour, and one of their managers or somebody was like, "Nobody in Houston wants to see Gangstar." I'm like, "I'm here." Yes, we do.
1: I mean, Premier is only from Dallas or from Houston. 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 Yeah, Houston, yeah. yeah.
0: so it's like. Uh, you know I've been being told things like that my whole life but you have to learn to like pull the the covers back off that industry and really see I mean dude, ain't nobody fucking with Conway the machine right now and Benny the butcher and Westside gun and all that sh- all that man the whole thing the whole movement is uh it needed to happen like a lot of things happen go up and down in the music industry the music business and the sounds and the biorhythms of life going up and down up and down like it's a it's come back
1: yeah i mean i love it i think it's the first time an artist can really they don't need a label yeah for the first talk about this in my book i'm finishing like if you do everything the way you're supposed to do it Mm -hmm. you absolutely don't need a label i don't get me wrong i like record labels for what they represent but as long as you view it as the bank you'll be okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) because the label is going to give you money but they expect it back and -hmm. whatever you sign the contract understand what you're signing up for otherwise be independent you can do fine but the way you can drop music today if you feel like it I think it's beautiful just because you can flood the market with whatever. You You can make a song every day if you wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I love that for artists right now and that freedom.
0: And I think there's a lot of people in hip hop who are learning that how successful you are when you can make a living, you mm-hmm. know, like we've been so overinflated for so many years about the millionaires and the billion, you know, people making all this money off of it. But yeah. a lot of that's facade. A lot of it is money laundering. A lot of it is some bullshit, mm-hmm. but if you can go out there, I mean, if you can do 500 people a night on a tour, you're doing fine. Mm-hmm. You're making more than a lot of most people. Yeah, you know, and you're traveling, and you're seeing things, and you're meeting people. You're doing, you know, you're do, you know following your passion. Yeah, and that's what to me is the most beautiful thing that came out of you know this era in rap was seeing like the touring expand. Yeah, it wasn't just like a package of the biggest of the biggest. It's like it's some of it's on a punk level some Mm -hmm. of it's on a indie level some of it's bigger some kendrick lamar can do the moody center Mm -hmm. but i'm pretty sure we both saw him at red seven yeah with 150 people tops yep and he came he built it and built it built it like an artist is supposed to Mm -hmm. you don't just get fast-tracked by the industry and a lot of those are the ones that come and go so fast you're absolutely right i
1: said this with somebody else too like artists think it just needs to be one hit and then I'm a star versus waiting that slow build. Mm -hmm. And the slow build is actually where you make the most money. And you build that consistent fan base. Like, you look at Boosie. Regardless how you feel about what Boosie does, he's got a built-in fan base that will always be there for him because he was on that chitlin circuit, basically. You know, hitting everything in Louisiana and in Texas and Arkansas. Just like, I mean, the Swisher House. Uh, You know, you just, you got in the car back then. Mm -hmm. Now it's easier. You got the internet Get on social media all day long and just make fans. Be like, all right, I got the most fans in San Marcos. I'm going to go do a show over there. Yep. Touch the fans and build it up and you'll have fans for
0: life. That's the realest thing. And I, but I do think that the internet people need to understand that it all has to work hand in hand. You do still have to touch the people and go out and do it. Oh, yeah. You know, I think that whole formula is where things kind of fell off a little bit for Texas, Texas. It's not gone, but, like, I mean, Megan and Travis and them, they went to L.A. Mm-hmm. They made it out there. But, like, a lot of these underground artists, are, they're doing it again now. It's coming back. <clears throat> but it was like, yo, the blueprint was laid out for you very easily by the screwed-up click in the Swisher House and them who went to Colleen, They went to Tyler. They went to Longview. They went to yeah. McAllen. They went to, you know, they built it and built it and built it as they stepped out and made their circle, or their route bigger. Yeah. And they touched the people, and it really worked and I mean like there's to this day little Flip is eating. Mm-hmm. ESG is eating. I don't know how rich they are. I don't know what their whole deal is but they're doing well. Bun B <clears throat> man he's everywhere. Since that rodeo <laughs> the rodeo event that dude has skyrocketed. Yeah. Bun got Non-sign. trail
1: burgers everywhere. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean it's a testament to the grind and to really just keeping yourself out there and making it happen and not it's not just the internet. Mm-hmm. But it, that's a big component, and it's definitely helped. Especially me thinking about coming from where we come from, the South, getting nothing yeah. for so long, and then they got everything. And it's like now it's because you can get this music, and it's great. Yeah, <clears throat> but you couldn't get an eight ball and MJG tape in Buffalo.
1: Nah, you know, not at all. Back Man. in the day. Nah, like you I mean, know? it's also the brands they built though too. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, like you talk about eight ball and MJG, they just did their verses with UGK, you know, with mm-hmm. Bun. And i mean like they, those were staples that were just built up and it's like all right this is what we stand on here are artists this is what we're about a ball mjg is memphis like we're kind of pimpish whatever <laughs> like this yep. is you consistently know what you got from them but they were spitting some real stuff too yep same with ugk you knew it was a little bit harder edge It was some street stories, but you getting a message from it versus we just trying to make this catchy single and pop on and go off like, nah, this is, this is my story, but also we can grind it out and touch the people, you know, it's like, and that's why I think you have so many diehard fans for those artists for like three, six mafia, um, no limit, you know, like that's why all these people can continue to do the success because I got legit fans. I don't have like people that saw me on the TikTok (laughs) and then liked me for a month and moved on. Yep.
0: Yeah, man. Well, that's an that's an interesting segue to the era where we met and you were at Hot ninety three, and that was right when Chameleonaire and Paul Wall and a lot of these guys were coming up. You know, here in Austin, we had people like Flow Mob and Basswood Lane, and mm-hmm. you know, groups that were that were making some noise around here. MC Fatal, I always loved. You know, but uh, that was a time where. I mean, literally, that that sort of music, you know, UGK wasn't getting played on the radio so much outside of Houston or mm-hmm. maybe Dallas, you know, but maybe Louisiana. But, you know, that was an era where the South was really starting to stand up. And I have to say, was that where you started in radio? Was Hot 93?
1: Yeah, that's the only station I've ever been at, actually.
0: That's what I thought, yeah. man. Like, because, man, that was a special time.
1: It was, man.
0: It When you think of the you and... Rapid Rick, Baby G, yeah, Mimi, every boogie, yeah, everybody was on that station, all the cool people, man,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you hit the nail right there, like that was why it was special, that's why it worked, and I don't think it will ever be recreated again because of the climate of radio, uh, like radio's so corporate now, it's one of the reasons I'm not in radio. No, it's we crazy. all got laid off, <laughs> replaced with robots, but um, we were all local to the area. Like, I was basically from here. I moved to Austin 93. Mm-hmm. So, Dinky D, Rapid Rig, yes. Baby G, Corrupt, all of them were it's in QDQ? the club. He came later. Later, yeah. yeah. But uh yep. All of them were local, in the clubs, or on, at the time, 88.7, right? I did college radio before I graduated and came here. But then, and then you had all local D-Day. So, we all grew up in the area. So, we knew what Austin was. Yep. And we also, going back to touching the people, we were out in the clubs, we had H-E-B where people saw us like, oh, y'all real people. Oh, y'all are cool. Mm-hmm. You, you factor that in with us understanding how to program radio. I was a music director, so I had to program the music. And so that's why we added like, hey, we need to play some Texas music. Y'all got to understand here are the ones that are going to work. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not saying play Crook for Life <laughs> and all that, but the records, that make sense. And we blended all that together in some gumbo and boom. That's why it was so cool. That's why it was fun, you mm-hmm. know? And, like, we didn't have any restrictions on don't talk this long or don't talk about this. It was like go and have fun. That's why we were number one for six years.
0: It was the last bastion of, like, commercial radio that didn't suck. Like, And, and to be honest with you, I think things were starting to suck in Houston and some of the other markets while you all were doing something really cool here in Austin because I saw it both. You know, I was, I was back and forth all the time. And, in fact, I lived in Houston when you were on Hot 93, but I was here a lot. You know, yeah. I came to Austin all the time. And I'll tell you, I remember back in the mid-90s, you know, I, first of all, much love to KZI. I've always listened mm-hmm. to KZI. When I go to Dallas, I listen to K and win. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I'm into, I want to hear the community. I was on KPFT in Houston forever. I love community radio and KZI has gotten better. It's, gotten, oh, yeah. it's pretty dope lately, man. But, um, and it's, I've always loved it though. But uh, it was always a thing where we'd be like, man, how do we not have a, commercial urban station here. And then in 98, I worked at music mania Mm, and a a station, a station popped up that year and it was horrible. Mm. Like the songs, it was more like the new Jack swing and R and B, but also some hip hop, but it wasn't like a banging station, like a hot 97 or something. Like it was just pretty, uh, dialed in. I would say, you know, it wasn't that. And this white dude, in a tucked in polo shirt, came into Music Mania a couple times. And I, he, I don't remember his name at all, but he worked there. And I remember kind of conf- not confronting him, but you know how I am sometimes, but I kind of was like, yo, for real, man, like, <laughs> this is. I kind of was like, what's up with this station, man? He's like, right. Wow, well, I swear to God, and you know this, being in radio, you know this statement very well. Well, you know, the research tells us this. And I was like, the research of what? You want to do research? Come stand in Music Mania all day and night till midnight. Right. Dumbass. Yeah. Station sucks.
1: Yeah. It's, some people don't listen. Yeah. You know, radio, once again, ours was the perfect blend of people who were in the streets, in the community, understood. And we were vocal. To the powers that be, and like myself, someone's got to be in the powers that be.
0: And the doors it, are pretty open.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, we didn't have really any restrictions. It, it was way too loose at times. But I <laughs> mean, anybody could come up and just, hey, so and so's in town. I'll tell them, come to the radio. Like, just mm-hmm. promote whatever. But like, research was definitely a part of it. But it's also researching your brain. Like, what are yep. you seeing? What is being played in the clubs? Like, I'll never forget, I'll give you an example. Um, at the time, they were hesitant to play Zero. This is when the life of Joseph W. McVeigh was coming out. Zero was still locked up. The song Zero was starting to move, but I Hate You was like the record. I was like, man, that's the one. And they were like really hesitant to play Zero. I'll never forget. Zero got out of jail, went to Music Mania. I think it was a Sunday. That was and it was announced that day that hey, Zero gonna come do a, a signing at Music Mania. It was late too. There was a line all the way down. That, uh that shopping center to get the mm-hmm. music mania at like at 8 p.m on a Sunday yep and we told the programmer like do you see what happened last night like did the pictures like he was like all right let's give it a shot like that's reality like Trey zero Paul wall Chameleon Air, all those folks like had legit fan bases in Austin deep mm-hmm. and like I mean you couldn't you couldn't knock it like whatever research you had you needed to play at least one of those records and every time we tested one then the research came back like oh i see yep. like yeah but you wouldn't have known if you wouldn't have gave it a chance though
0: i mean i think casino's game time is a good example of an austin record yeah i mean that got some play yeah people loved it
1: yep game time play the role play the by role. babu yep uh, the a by yep. nook exactly um yeah there's a few other ones i mean
0: i mean the wood was a little bit before Hot 93 time.
1: Yeah, that's, I went to Round Rock, so uh, yeah. I, know, I know those guys for sure. Oh, yeah, I love the wood. Flo-Mile yeah, was too. dope.
0: Oh, yeah. 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 Those were the days. I mean, that Sam was Houston
1: boys, too. I got to give them credit because they were making some moves there for a while, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, TJ was behind all those little flip mixtapes. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. There's always been like an Austin-Houston connection big time.
1: Yeah. You know what? Let me ask you this question because mm-hmm. I have my own opinion, and I get very opinionated about it. Why do you think no Austin artists have ever really broke out? Because they give me hail, thinking I'm the problem. I'm not the gatekeeper. You think I don't? <laughs> so, what is your thinking yeah. on why no one has really got to the next level?
0: Because it's a money laundering operation, and big drug dealers didn't put money behind some of these guys. I think to yeah. beyond big enough money. Yeah. Sorry, um, but beyond that, I have to say. A lot of the dudes. I mean, you saw like when Lil Black was moving around. on Willie Nelson. <laughs> it took. T- you had to. Austin is a real comfortable place to live. You don't have as many venues, even in, in those days. Especially when it wasn't as good as it is now, or whatever. And people complained about, like you know, hip hop has gotten fucked a lot with in the clubs, and mm-hmm. it's okay, fine, but there's still more stages you can get on around here than most cities. Yeah. It just is. It's just the truth. There's hundreds and hundreds of venues. You can find a few, you know, so it gets real comfortable. And when you get in that six street world and you get your six street fan base to an extent, I think I've seen a lot of artists get a little too comfortable with that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How many, and if you're an Austin rapper, in my opinion, if you're not in Houston one weekend a month, just being there, promoting You're an idiot. Mm -hmm. Houston and Dallas are both about three hours away from here. Dallas historically is a music industry town too. Like they had a lot of industry there throughout the years. Mm -hmm. Houston is a hip hop Mecca of fans and artists and produce all kinds of stuff. But like, and I'm sorry, even with the growth of Austin, Houston's still four times bigger, Mm -hmm. literally the oil money there is crazy. The street money is crazy. Everything comes through Houston, so they had. It's financial thing, I think, and it's like <clears throat> if you don't utilize your whole region, then you're just local. Yeah, and that's and if you want to be that, that's fine. Don't complain to me and Deuce. But like seriously you can take the damn Greyhound for $12 or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Go hit, yeah. the, hit something in Houston and take it back at on the 2 a.m. Greyhound. You know, whatever, man. Like, yeah. that's, that's the grind. That's part of it. So that's what I think. But then, you know, you think about historically, Papa Chuck got signed mm. to Pendulum Records and Digable Planets was also on Pendulum at the same time. They really, they were in New York. They caught on, blew up. All the resources went to them. Mm-hmm. You know, there have been similar stories to that, but like, that was, like, the first, like, you know, Austin rapper who was signed to a major, basically. Yep. Because that was under Electra, I believe.
1: I think so. And, of course, T-Double was around that time period, probably after that, I think. I forgot the label he was on to. Um was high, connected to Hyrule, right?
0: No, it was... Um, oh, God, I totally know this. It was the label Medusa was on. And, uh, but, you know, I mean... Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, you have to hit the road. Mm-hmm. You have to do it, man. And so... I don't know. It's a it's a quandary because there's also levels. Like we just said, it's really cool to make a living. So to me, that's making it. If you're making your art, maybe you never left out. Like Overlord, yeah, he didn't tour like that, but he had his staple down here. He did his thing. Rest in peace to him. Mm-hmm. And I always respected that. Yeah, he never came to me or you on some funny shit either. Yeah, bitching yeah. about things. He was living his life and living it.
1: Yep. Him, nor the Smackola. You know, it's like, and this is kind of going back to something I talk about in the book, it's like, I kind of give the pathway, like, what do you actually want to do? Because most of the ones yeah. that complain to me are the ones who, they want to be on MTV and BBC, they want to yeah. be the superstar. But it's like, if you want to just be local, there is totally a way for you to make six figures playing multiple times in the week. If you got residencies, or you're in a couple different bands, or if you're producing for other people, or writing, you can be fine. And if you're comfortable with that, you're good. Yeah, exactly. But if you want more, like, like you were saying, you got to work. And with Texas, if you just sold up Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, Austin, you could be a millionaire.
0: Yeah. I didn't even mention good. San Antonio, which is about an hour and a half tops from yeah. here. And how many Southside of Austin artists could be there in an hour? Yeah. You know, like how many art, times you hear of them performing in San Antonio? That's yeah. a market. Colleen, yep. like. No, no joke. A lot of those Houston guys made it because they were performing in a city with the biggest military base in the United States, mm-hmm. which means people from all over the United States are there temporarily, then going home with their tapes mm-hmm. and CDs. Yep, that's partly what happened to spread the sound of Screw, to spread the sound of the Swisher House, to spread the sound of any of them. Yep, it's a big deal to do some of the littler things that you don't totally understand. Yeah, man. So that's you know, there's a lot of reasons, but. I've said this many times in the heart of the 93, hot 93 era and the dude for real, most of the Austin groups were better performers at least Mm -hmm. than the Houston ones as far as like performing and giving a real live stage show and being just talented.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Lots of
0: amazing stuff. Yeah. But it's like, you know, it's, it's hard to, I mean, shit, there's a lot of places that have it a lot worse than Austin. Yeah. I'll tell you that. But well, I know exactly what you're saying. It's one of the reasons I don't really want to go out to a lot of the stuff these days. Cause I don't want to hear it anymore. Same here. Complaining. <laughs> like, come on, man. You know, yeah. I'm not rich. <laughs> yeah. Y'all didn't make me rich either, by the way. How about yeah. that? Yeah. You know, but it's It's funny. And, and I do kind of think it's really great. This era of people are talking a lot more about mental health. Mm-hmm. Because it's very important. It's things that we weren't taught at all. But I have to think that being a, a rapper can be kind of depressing. Oh yeah. Because part of the problem is you're taught that if you don't think you're the best, who's going to think you're the best? I mean, how many? I mean, I'm sure there's guitar players and things who are out there like I'm the fucking best. But how yeah. often do you really hear that? Right. Maybe. But pro- almost, most most lots of rappers especially of a certain era yeah like, I mean, ain't nobody fuck with me i'm the best
1: yeah you're supposed to be braggadocious you're supposed and to you, have this like air about you
0: and then you speak all those things into existence somehow and then it doesn't work yeah and then you're just sad yeah and mad and it's like when really it's like you don't work at walmart you somehow are making enough money to live right you made it that's great yeah on your art amazing yeah
1: yeah i mean mental health is stuff and people don't artists especially don't want to approach it
0: yeah
1: <laughs> you know i'm glad zero like in some of his few interviews newer ones now like mm-hmm. he's kind of talking about it, and people are more open i think some people are jumping too far on the mental health bandwagon but oh, i'm yeah. definitely an advocate oh, yeah. for it like i'm glad people are at least having the conversation because it needs to be had like i mean i've had my own struggles with mental health and like Shit. people used to make fun of, like poke people like oh just like you know like or whatever, making a joke, but then I've had friends personally take their lives. Yeah. You know, and it's like, what if they would have just talked about it? And had no was a safe space to talk about, whether it's in your art or just like grabbing a friend, man. So I'm glad people are at least more public with it now, at least.
0: I've talked to two people in the last week about their suicidal intentions that thank God didn't happen. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a hard world and it's a lot, you know, like when we talked about getting off social media for a bit. That might be what you need mm-hmm. every now and then. Like get away from it, you know, like this whole thing's a mind fuck, man. Yeah. Like I <clears throat> wish I could totally turn off the news. I can't. Like I probably could, I suppose, but I, you know, I I fiend to kind of find out what's going on and see what's, you know, I, I, there's something about that with me. Yeah. But it's not doing me much good. I almost
1: wish like social media would close at nighttime or something. Or like, I wish they had like hours, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like kind of like back in the day when the TV would go off. Yeah. <laughs> like it would That's true. That is true. <laughs> like, I wish like, cause it, it like, it's a beautiful thing, but it's also corrupted and it's a crazy place. And depending on how your algorithm is, we we're talking about that earlier with TikTok, like depending on what you're looking at or what, who you're following, you might get a bunch of garbage on your feed a lot, you know? So I almost wish there was some kind of filter or like, Social media companies would never do this, but I'm saying it would be great if they would because people have gotten less in contact with each other. I mean, that physically and just even talking to people like people just text all day now versus like picking up the phone and calling somebody to hear their voice. Like just I wish there was a way to disconnect and actually like, nah, go like be a human for the next Man. eight hours.
0: <laughs> oh, for real. When did it get so hard to make schedule a phone call with a regular human being in your life? I'm not talking about an executive or something like People are like, oh, yeah, man, I'll try to get with you. Uh, What's your schedule look like next week? I'm like, give me 10 fucking minutes today. (laughs) Right. Like, what are you doing right now? (laughs) What are you really doing? You're texting
1: me, you're you're free.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, the game is crazy, man. But I have some really great memories, like, not to just harp on, I want to talk about your book and everything. But I remember coming in as just an outsider walking into, you know, into the, the station up off Rundberg. Mm-hmm. In the hood. In the hood off, <laughs> off, of, off of 35 and Runberg, And, uh, man, that South by Southwest 2004 on that Saturday. Oh, we had, like, yeah. Watts was there, Chameleon Air, Dizzy Rascal. Pitbull. Um, Pitbull. Was that 04?
1: I think so. Might have been. It was early on, so probably. Yeah. Yeah. It was like boom 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 like artists 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 who are all now like yeah some of the top artists out there man
0: i was in an elevator with pitbull at the ozone awards back in the day like this, now he's like the biggest thing in the world
1: yeah like th- there was crazy times and like like people will see pictures or like because i still have audio from all those interviews on my computer and like the oh, people man. that came through that station is crazy like young justin bieber um, I didn't know that. Yeah, like that was actually the last interview I ever did in radio, was Justin Bieber, um, J. Cole.
0: He didn't drop uh, a n word, did he? Nah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> nah. <laughs> but I mean, Pitt was like a pitbull was like a regular staple. He was yeah. always in Austin. I mean, Trey, Trey, just before people know him now yeah. as like the huge man Terry, I tell people like he's been doing that. I never mm-hmm. forget we brought him to Connolly High School. I think this was when either Ike or either. It wasn't Harvey, that was more recent. It must have been Hurricane Ike, it happened. He came to Conley High School, which is a high school here in the Austin area, hung out with the kids. for it was a football game. We hung out the whole football game, drove back to Houston because he had to help with the flooding efforts. Mm-hmm. Like He's been doing stuff like that, but we'll come to the radio. I mean, 50 Cent calling the radio station on Super Bowl Sunday to talk to me about the massacre. Like It's almost weird the amount of interviews and people just came through. Like you said, Dizzy Rascal, the folks you brought in for South By, like the whole South by period, like all those years, the first uh, UGK concert when Pimp C got out of jail, like yeah, all sad. that was in that era, man. Like it was a beautiful era.
0: That was crazy, man. And uh, you need to archive those interviews. You need put on. some of that up. Yeah, yeah, they on the computer. For real, that's <laughs> dope, man. Uh, Trey, speaking of Trey, the truth, like. In the last six months or so, I really love the Ghetto Boys podcast. They do a really good – their podcast is great, man. But they had – again, my brain is too slow to remember everyone's names, but they brought a woman on who has an organization for kids whose parents are in prison. Mm. It was called No More Victims. And she does other things too, but No More Victims was specifically for kids whose parents are in prison. He brought her – he was partnered with her and brought her to damage control my show in Houston 19 years ago. Yeah eighteen years ago, something yeah. like that. For real. Yeah. Like he's been doing it. It's wow, man. And it's uh he deserves everything he's getting right now, all the good, you know, the respect and, and love that he's been seeing. It's it's been a long time coming. He's a testament to that work. Yeah. You know, I mean that dude was down yeah. many times. You know, overcame so much stuff. Mm-hmm. So when you ask me why hasn't certain person, certain artists, made it this, that or whatever, like yeah, I mean, I don't know. Be more like Trey and just never stop. Yeah. I'm not that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not acting I'm like I'm that shit. I don't have it like that. But, like, if you really, if that's really what you want, man. Watch people like that and say, oh, he does not stop.
1: Yeah. It's like you just said, you brought those folks on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is the average artist doing on a Saturday? goofing off somewhere. All those people went to a radio station to do interviews and just jump on the air. And the interviews weren't that long because it was so many. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, I got five minutes of airtime. Cool. I'm, I'm going to do it right here. And I'm going to be professional doing it too.
0: Play still tipping. Yeah. Boom.
1: Yeah. It's, it's not that hard. It's relationships. Being able to be on time somewhere. Talk. Articulate mm-hmm. your thoughts. Right. <laughs> it's not that hard, y'all.
0: And don't walk around with a chip on your shoulder, man. Make yeah. people want to be around you. Yeah. I mean, there was an era here where certain people were kind of in charge and you'd go to a show and they'd like yell at you on stage or something. They'd come and tell you, well, you don't support this. You don't do that. I'm like, I am here. I'm here for the show. Don't stop telling us that we don't support. Yeah. This was something that happened a lot. I'm not just saying it happened a couple. This is something I'm sure you saw that yeah. many times. And you're just like, oh, yeah, you get his ass out here. He's drunk, <laughs> you know, and I've done that before. I've hosted shows a little intoxicated, too. That was my first experience with Homer, actually. Mm. Uh, from uh, Cafe Station at the South by Shows in 95. Mm,
1: I've heard stories about those. I'm trying to get him to tell me all of them.
0: Yeah, man, (laughs) dude, that was crazy. Well, Homer, back in the day, we always had a good relationship, man. And I want to talk about the Urban Cultural Fest, too. We need to give the update on that. But um, Andre Walker, who was booking South by at the time, had me come up to host in 94 and 95. And then that's how I met Homer and basically, Homer didn't want to deal, he would, he, we had, you know, The Roots, Black Moon, Smith mm-hmm. & and West, and he had all kind of hit Roy airs, like a lot of shows. Mobb Deep. Like Mobb Deep, lots of good shows, Alcoholics. But for a certain era, around 95, I think it was, he basically said to the, I kind of had to be the middleman for him because he didn't want to deal with the promoters. Like, he'd tell me what he would do. And he's like, man, I don't want them bothering me all the time. You can deal with them. And I, I think he gave me 50 bucks a show or something like that. And I got in free and all this or whatever. But I kind of helped him with that. And that was our first, you know, our relationship back then. But uh, <clears throat> he <laughs> he totally was like, I mean, it was the only black-owned club on 6th Street. Yeah. And he did. like, And it was a nice place. Yeah. So many cool shows there, man. It was so nice. But then you've been involved with him for this, for the Urban Music Fest now called Urban Cultural Fest.
1: Yeah. So Urban Music Fest, we changed the name uh, when the pandemic happened to Urban Cultural Fest. But uh, I've been working with Homer probably at this point, 12 years now, something like that. But I mean, honestly, from the beginning of the Urban Music Fest, I was there because yeah. they promoted through the radio. Sure. So I knew him and him and my mom are friends. And so, I was always around. Oddly enough, Trey was at the first Urban Music Fest. He was scheduled along, I think, with Shaka Khan that year and Ray J. Wow. <laughs> like, that was part of the first one. But, yeah, Homer, no. Homer's a staple here in Austin. And, and the stories that guy has. Like, mm-hmm. you mentioned Catfish Station. Like, I've heard D'Angelo's stories about equipment. I've heard Erica Badu getting broke at Catfish Station during the South by Southwest. Broke meaning her rise of stardom. Not, I don't think nothing crazy. Right. But, uh, yeah, man, like, what we do at the Urban Music Fest is just another extension of his legacy. It's mm-hmm. it's the only, only R&B, soul, and also some hip-hop, I'd say, I guess, mostly black-oriented festival here. Yeah, yeah. Um, We've been doing it for, I'm trying to think, because the pandemic messes everything up. I think this is going into our 17th year, man. roughly, since 2005. So somebody do the math there. Um, but yeah, man, it's a beautiful thing. We also build a youth band every year. People don't know about that. So the Soul Tree Collective is our nonprofit piece. And our whole goal here is to provide a show that's affordable to the community and then also teach young people music. So we build a youth band from ages mm-hmm. 13 to 17 for every festival year. They learn instruments, like real band, like they learn how to play the instruments, how to play as a group. Um, uh, they're basically a cover band and then they can go on off and do whatever they want to do next. They get to play at the festival as well. But yeah, man, we've been doing that forever. We want to keep continuing it. Um, it's a two-day festival this year where we're going to be back. And uh, it's during Texas Relays weekend. That's which, dope. Yeah, which is, of course, a historic time period. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, it's I mean, it's I a good for, time.
0: I think for a lot of years, a uh, festival that dope got eclipsed by the negativity that the press would give to something like Texas Relays. But this was never a 6 Street thing. This was at, Water, at uh, Auditorium Shores. Yeah, yeah. A real family event. Yeah, which the Texas Relays is actually a very real family event as well. Yeah, it, it's just it, it, the, the partying at the clubs and stuff got a little different, but the the Urban Music Festival was always a really cool, positive experience.
1: Yeah, and honestly, that was the point of it. So, like, um, real quick history: the festival was born because uh, Midtown caught on fire. Yep, I guess two thousand four, two thousand five-ish or whatever. and There was some some derogatory remarks made by Big APD. Time. Yeah, and that got caught on camera. And so the city partnered. This part gets foggy. I don't know how that happened, but Homer got involved with the city and like, hey, let's do something for the black community to show that we can do positive events and make it work. Cause Highland Mall, that's where a lot of negativity come out. The press around things that were going on Highland Mall. So they created their mutual festival. Him and Donnie Little, who was the first black quarterback at UT. And so we've never had a negative incident happen ever. It's always gone with a positive uh, ending every Mm -hmm. single year, and it's continued that way. So. Yeah, we wanted to make sure people knew that, one, black people are here, (laughs) and we can get together and have fun and be safe. So,
0: yeah, man. And utilize the resources that everybody else has been utilizing. Yeah, yeah. Be a part of it. Yeah. You know, I love that, and I love the work that y'all put in for that. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you, man. It's going to continue.
0: And it's exciting, too, because it's something that needs to happen. You know, one of the things we've talked about off the mic a little bit is the changes here in Austin and like, I used to love Fun, Fun, Fun Fest, of mm-hmm. course. But when you think about Fun, Fun, Fun Fest, that was about 15-some thousand maybe people, whereas ACL is like 70 to 90,000 yeah. people. And that's a big difference. And it shows you like that appeal of the mainstream, the bigger things, whereas I'm wrong now because I think a lot of people are just coming here for whatever. But back not that many years ago, People were not moving to Austin to be in another mainstream place. They were coming because it was a cool, fun, punk, alternative, weird oasis of cool yeah. art. Cool, you know what I mean? Like, yep. and the things that were, and then as you see these things, like the kind of mainstreamification of it, and the and the the prices going up on everything. Yeah, you know the, the places that you loved closing down, like. It's so important for an urban music or an urban cultural festival to still happen. It's so important for Flamingo Cantina to still exist. Yeah. You know, I mean, we need places like Midtown. Yeah. For everyone to go to.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, and it's tough. It's a lot of work that goes into it. You yeah. know, like people look at ACL and, and I think ACL, nothing against them. I mean, they do they do mm-hmm. what they do and it, it works. You know, I'll be the first to say I go to ACL sometimes and see what's there. Like, They have definitely gotten more diverse over the years. But the ticket price is high. (laughs) You Uh, know, one thing we do is try to keep it affordable for the community. Does that mean ticket price may rise a bit? It might. But you're still going to get lower than you would. It's not an ACL ticket, put that way. You're still going to get a quality show with some groups who you might not normally see come to Austin on the regular. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that I got to tip my hat to is that. I'll see us book an act and then like a year later that same act is coming to like Moody and it's like oh did they see who we brought and saw that it worked?
0: Yeah exactly. (laughs) So it's like oh you fed
1: off our energy huh?
0: It's a testing ground man for real. I mean did you go to Reggae Fest this year? I didn't make it. It's back. Okay. It was crazy. There were so many people. The music was incredible. The vibe was just like back in the day. Mm -hmm. Everybody you know showed out and it was like but to be honest, it wasn't as bad back because there was some a couple years reggae fest was over the top, mm-hmm. like so packed, yeah, with a bunch of hacky sack playing stoners, you know what I mean. But yeah, but it was, it was, was still fun, it. but it was so hard to just get in. This year though, it was packed, packed and comfortable families, yeah, and lots of people smoking, chilling, doing their thing with and the and the the booking was top notch. It was amazing, yeah, yeah. I and mean, it felt so good. I think it was the first thing I really came to where I was just like, yes, we're back. Because South By this year, honestly, it was really great because it wasn't as With over the, the top and big as it as it had gotten. Like right. It got cut down a little bit. So I'll do respect to everybody. I hope everybody made enough money and did okay. But I don't want to see the Dorito stage again. I don't want to <laughs> see like what it became. You know, like It, right. it got so out of control.
1: Yeah, because you had to make a decision mm-hmm. for South By. Like, where are you going to go? Like yeah. and it was all over Austin, so for well, music hall ain't even here anymore. But you had to make a decision: where you going to fader for it, or, forward, or are you going <laughs> over yeah. here, and you couldn't see all the shows going on. It was so oversaturated; it mm-hmm. was too much.
0: This year yeah. it felt so good, man. It was just scaled back, and it was real cool, you know. But then, like, like I said, the reggae fest, where I was just like, man, it is back. Yeah, you know,
1: yeah, we need that kind of stuff. People want to do it, but it has to be the right price. And I think some of these folks, I don't know if it's promoters or venues or what, they, I don't know if they're trying to make up for COVID or what, oh, no, but some of the, sure yeah, some of the prices feel like they a little double what it should be. For well, the gas show. is double. That for sure.
0: You know, lots of expenses yeah. are double. And yeah, they're making up for things. They have to. I mean, there was a lot, of, some of these, I mean, think about a venue getting $30,000 in a grant for COVID if you're right in the heart of downtown, your rent's probably 30,000 a month. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't help that much. Like, and, and with all due respect to the people who, there's a lot of people based here who formed these organizations that fought to get, you know, stimulus money for the artists and creative and the venues that, that, you know, I know there's people who probably got more and people who got nothing, but, you know, yeah, they have to make up for a lot, but my paycheck didn't really go up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, the rent did. And so it's like, yeah, it's 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 a crazy time right now, man. Coming out of that, like I've been talking about this on the podcast, like it's not quite as surreal as what it was in 2020. But even coming, you know, going into the whole thing was really surreal and confusing. And coming out was also kind of surreal and confusing.
1: Yeah, the whole the la- I mean, the last two years have been a blur. Exactly. Like I remember it. It was Friday the 13th, March 13th. Mm-hmm. That's when we all went lockdown. And then for the next year and a half, locked in the house, basically, like I didn't go anywhere. Like literally, I was afraid to catch COVID. Mm-hmm. I went two years without catching it. I finally caught it Juneteenth weekend of this year. And I'm wow. like, doggone it. <laughs> Worst experience ever. But, um, but yeah, like, I mean, you just, it was surreal. Like you didn't know what was going to happen. Like, are we all gonna die? <laughs> like that was yeah. going through my mind. It's like we don't know what this is. I'm in the house. You getting those stupid texts from people telling you Walmart's gonna close and never open back up. You're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And so the mandates, then the mask. Do you no wear a mask? Do you not wear a mask? Yeah, yeah, like it was it was such a weird, then everybody went virtual. So you're like, oh, my favorite artist is live doing a show on Instagram. And like, mm-hmm. all right, that's different, kind of cool. But it was such a weird time
0: period, man. Man, so weird. Freaked me out. Yeah, and like, we're still like
1: hybrid, kind of in some pockets.
0: My sister, my niece, my god—they both have it right now. My they're okay, they're sick. They tested positive. My godmother had it for like a week last two weeks ago. I'm saying maybe fifty percent of the people I talk to these days are, oh man, I just got over COVID. Oh, I just tested positive, and nobody's yeah. like that sick. It's not like it, you know viruses have their course that they run. Yeah, but it's, it's weaker like, now. It's weaker now, but yeah. the. uh you know, it's it's freaky. Yeah, it's, it's the, real freaky. From
1: what I read, it's the new variant. Cause I ain't gonna lie, the first like 48 hours, I was like, oh, it, it was like it's a it was a blur because I was asleep half of that time mm-hmm. and then just like felt like I hit by a train and all that. But um yeah, but it, it, the strain is definitely weaker than where it was back in the day. <laughs> but it knocks you down. I mean, I'll still say I still have like effects where I still like have like to clear my throat all the time and like still kind of like tired. I'm starting to work out again now and it's well we're in July and so I didn't or in August. Yeah, yeah, so I didn't mid June. So it's a weird virus, man. I'm glad your people are right though. Yeah, no,
0: thank God. Yeah, people are all right. but it's it's still scary. It is what it is. Yeah. What's the book? You've mentioned it a couple times. I didn't even know, man. What's the book,
1: man? So, because of the pandemic, so I started writing this book because artists kept complaining to me about why they haven't made it and why I haven't put them in position to be a star. So (laughs) I'm basically giving them a blueprint. Mm -hmm. So um, the book is basically like everybody has the All You Need to Know About the Music Business Mm -hmm. book by Donald Passman, which Mm -hmm. is a great book. But when you read it, I feel like you almost need a law degree to really decipher everything because he's a lawyer, first of all. Yeah,
2: exactly.
1: Yeah, so I wanted to break that down in layman's terms. Like, what do you need as an artist? So it's business basics, for an artist starting out like well, here are the base things you need but also what path do you want to go on do you want to be local do you want to regional do you want to be a star if so here are your steps to get on that path so i break down like your team business people like who you need like social media handles why it's important to have them all be the same like um ways you can pandemic proof your business i mean like do you have your own studio where you ain't got to go to one like all that's in the book so it's a step-by-step on everything you need is an artist um, so you can be successful. And then how to monetize. Like, what does promotion really mean? What is marketing? How you get on the radio? Because I was on the radio. And, you know, I, I worked in retail. So I used to sell CDs. I worked in the mall. <laughs> I worked at college radio. I was in a group myself in the Word Association. I've been a rapper.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> been a DJ. Uh, been a manager. I've partnered with Troy Noka. I'm the president of his independent label. Troy Noka's a Grammy Award winner producer. He just produced a song of Beyonce. Mm-hmm. So I've touched every step of the music industry. I'm like, I can just give this knowledge away to help man. artists. So that's what really was the motivation to get it out there. So it's almost done. Um I'm looking to put it out here in the fall. So, so yeah.
0: So people need it, man. And and just any positive affirmations and and learn, you know, life lessons you can pass along. It's great, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so wanna get that knowledge out there, then then move on to my second book, which is my passion project, which is a sci-fi book. I'm gonna talk to you about that later on.
0: Really? All right, all <laughs> right, dope, man. Yeah. Yeah, writing's not easy, man. No. It's a discipline.
1: It is, but I love it. Yeah. Like I've people ask me, like, do you miss radio? And I do, but I love storytelling so much. Like it's a passion. Like I've been a part of three books. We got a book coming out at the end of the month. It's called Um The Winning Mindset. It's a it's a yeah. group book. It's like Eight other authors in it, but I've put three book, I've been a part of three book projects during the pandemic. So I'm like an international best-selling author on Amazon from oh, the other wow. books that are out there. Well, but what are
0: they? How do people find
1: it? They go to Amazon, um, go go to my website, theworldofdeuce.com. Um, okay. Real Stories, Real People was the first one. Um, I, I forgot the. I saw that. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then I actually voiced the book about 9 11. I didn't write on that one. I just I voiced it, the audio book. It's called. Wow. Um, yeah, it's called. Um,
0: it wasn't an InfoWars book, was it? No, 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 no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, this lady, she worked for United 93. Before well, she worked for United and she was okay. in the hub of United wow. 93. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've really been getting into the audio space and just um, writing more. But I've had to, well, I'll, I'll give you a tidbit of the side by thing. I've been writing this book since I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And it, I haven't watched Game of Thrones, but people tell me, like, it sounded like Game of Thrones mixed with Star Wars but with ninjas. And I'm like, wow. okay, cool, because I love martial arts. Sure. And I like sci-fi. And so that's like the thing I've been writing on. So my book coach was like, well, you know, well, what else do you like? I'm like, well, I love music. And he's like, well, you should do a music book because you can talk about that like the back of your hand. So that really is what revived the passion because we were on lockdown. So I have nothing else to do. So I started writing. So, yeah, those group books were shorter, just me writing a chapter or two getting those out there, that was, I think, slow enough for me to, like, build up and start just the process. So then I was like, man, I'm gonna do a music book because I can really help people. Like, mm-hmm. if it does well, great, but my key is to put the information to help that artist in Montana that doesn't know what to do, he's not near a music hub, but here's how you can make a living in Montana just using Spotify and your social media as an artist. So, yeah, but the passionate one is the sci-fi, and that's like my that's like my marvel thing man i could ride off to the sunset on that one like that one i got like plans for like
0: that's dope
1: i want to partner with disney Damn. <laughs> if they list netflix
0: something i don't know disney plus might be eclipsing netflix that's what they say
1: i think it will yeah netflix is spending too much money on content
0: on a bunch of things i will never click on yeah
1: i mean <laughs> disney they could just play snow white and pinocchio all day long and yep. people will pay because they got kids Yep. Netflix has to go create the content Disney it's got true. a catalog man
0: it's true yeah I was trying to look at something on Netflix last night and just like I don't know anything I don't know what this is I've seen these comedy specials already I've seen this I don't really want to put a two and a half hour movie on right now yeah you just know, want something quick something good but yeah it's it's overkill for sure yeah which is a whole another topic in relation to music and entertainment of the current times yeah. It's overwhelming.
1: There's a lot out there. It's a lot of music. A lot.
0: But, like, once again, though, it,
1: I'm kind of happy about it because you put on like Pandora whatever, an artist you like, and it's going to pull all the other stuff, and you uncover somebody new. Like every time I'm listening to whatever on Shuffle, I find somebody new I never heard of. I'm like, oh, this person's pretty cool. I'm checking. Like last time I found out about Larry June. I don't know if you roll with Larry June at all. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was listening to I think to he has a
0: record coming out Friday.
1: Oh, yeah? I think there so. Yeah. yeah. Freddie Gibbs, same way. I found about him listening to some channel, and I was like, "Man, who was this?" Like probably three years ago, I got into Freddie Gibbs. But wow. Like, yeah, so that's one thing with having so much.
0: That's crazy because I was going, anywhere. I was going to Gary, Indiana for Murder Dog around the 2000, two thousand, two thousand one, oh two era, and that's when I first met him. Yeah, like I, he was. You know, he was signed to Shady at one point, but never came out. Nah, I never knew that. Long I just knew about later, the
1: yeah. Jeezy situation or whatever.
0: Yeah, that was later. Wow. Bro, he was a kid. That's kid, crazy. kid, kid, yeah.
1: It's right He's dope, man. And he's really dope. <laughs> he's funny as
0: hell too. Yeah, he kind of lives here. Like he's moved sort of here. I think he travels a lot and he's in LA still, but he's got a place here from what I understand.
1: Well, see, I heard on the the Ghetto Boys Reloaded podcast when they had him on, he was saying you know if he wanted to move to Houston or Austin, he was looking for a house. I remember mm-hmm. him saying that. Doesn't surprise me. I mean, everyone else is
0: moving to Austin. His girlfriend's here, according to Instagram and things. Well, there so, you go. Yeah. Everybody lives in Austin. Danny now. Brown moved here. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. He said it on stage at the Oblivion Access Festival.
1: Who doesn't live here? Elon Musk. Bunch of actors. I guess <laughs> like, like everyone's moved. Joe Rogan. Yeah. It's Like Austin is the place. It's, it was weird. It's like, you know it, because people, it ain't like it just happened. People have been like living in Austin. Like Sandra Bullock been here. And yep. Matthew McConaughey is from here, but. It seemed like now it's more like higher level, I guess, people, whereas before it was like your B-level stars, like mm-hmm. living in Westlake, and you'll see them on 6th Street or Red Fez somewhere. Yep. You know, but R.I.P.
0: No, Red Fez. I
1: know, man. <laughs> yeah. People
0: kinda, would come here, though, and fall in love with the, how chill it is, and now I'm just like, what are you coming here for? <laughs> yeah. What? You want to pay LA price? It's not LA prices yet, okay, but it's enough. Yeah. But, I mean, shit, you get you one of them houses out there in the hills by the lake. Yeah. You're chilling. Yeah. you're
1: going to be paying. Paying. Post I saw, check. like, um, what is it, the most expensive house in Austin? It's on that hill. It's, like, $20 million or something crazy. Like, it's insane. The properties in Austin.
0: I like to be able to walk over to my local HEB. Me so too. So, I'm going to stick with my little lifestyle, I think. <laughs> you know, I like it. Yeah. You know, and I like the urban environment. Yeah. You know, it's uh there's still cool shit here for sure. Still a lot of cool parts, things happening. Yeah. But it has gotten weird in the other direction.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's that's what I love about Austin because it's it's a big city, yes, but it still has that small town feel if you don't escape it. You know, oh, yeah. like you can still ride around and like like I live in Round Rock, right? Mm-hmm. It's only like thirty, thirty five ish minutes to downtown Austin. To me it ain't that far being in from the Houston area that's nothing. Mm-hmm. So you can still go to the lake, you can still get that smallest town feel if you go to downtown Round Rock or if you go to um where's uh over there by Central Market by the not the triangle. But um that little part off of uh I can't think oh, by the Mark? drag. Like you know where oh, drag yeah, like yeah, that yeah. little area yeah. like that like all that kind of stuff like you still get that feel. Different parts of Austin. South Congress
0: we still no. got a lot of record stores. We got Austin Books and Comics. Yeah. There's some shit. Yeah, man. We haven't lost everything. Nah. But I still need Tamale House to come back.
1: You gotta go to a place in Round Rock for tamales. Yeah. There's a good spot out there. I think is it Abuela's?
0: Okay. Grandma. It's
1: on Maze. So man, that place has some Man, good all the foods tamales.
0: out there. I went to uh <laughs> I went to Round Rock Donuts because if you're out there you gotta get incredible donuts. And right next door is an amazing Peruvian restaurant. Mm. In Round Rock. Things rock have changed. A lot of things have changed for the better. And a lot of the surrounding area, it's just crazy. New Braunfels and San, San Marcos and Kyle and Buta and yeah. Cedar Park is a thing. You know, like Cedar Park was like a bunch of nothing and then a suburb. And a mall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now it's like, it's a little town, man. It's got, there's everything.
1: Yeah. It's growing up, man.
0: Well, man, I appreciate you giving me this time, man. It's so good to finally sit down and talk and, uh, Anytime you want to do something, man, I want to definitely keep me up on the books, the the events, whatever you got going on, man, I want to know. Definitely, I've always uh, respected you, and I'm a big fan of what you've been doing, what you've done. I'm really happy that uh, years later we got to connect and kind of talk about
1: you. Yeah, man, absolutely, and I appreciate you having me, man, and likewise, like, you're a legend in the game, so just thank you for letting me have the time to talk, and I'm always down to come back.
0: Please, man, we will. If anybody wants to get in touch, with you theworldofdeuce.com. dot com.
1: Yeah, everything on social media is at the world of Deuce. Uh, website is theworldofdeuce.com. dot com. Yeah, that's it.
0: As an author,
1: everywhere, still there, Deuce, really? Deuce Malone. Everything Deuce is Malone. At the world of Deuce, right. but yeah, my author name, Deuce Malone. But yeah, if you put um, if you put Deuce Malone in Google, it it'll come up. But yeah, definitely the world of Deuce, D E U C E. People like to put D-U-E. It's D-E-U-C-E. Exactly. If you look in the dictionary, Deuce is spelled D-E-U-C-E. <laughs> they spell it D. The world of Deuce.com. There man, it is,
0: it. man. Well, I appreciate you and I appreciate everybody out there for listening. If you uh, have the time, please tell a friend to tell a friend about Talk So Real with Matt Sunzal. We're trying to be consistent here. Also trying to be more consistent with the All Music Is World music playlist shows that you can find mostly on the SoundCloud. But... Both of these are on lots of platforms out there, and I uh, definitely appreciate any time you give me. I'd love any comments, any likes, any subscriptions, whatever, man. Just let me know you're out there. Matt at Pushermania.com and TalkSoRealist on them socials. Again, Deuce, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. And we will talk again.